0: Hi everyone, and welcome to Academic Dean, where we connect with passionate college leaders who share their stories and viewpoints of higher education, especially lessons learned along the way. Now, here's your host, Dr.
1: Dave Gurchak. Hi everyone, today I'd like to welcome Dr. Jane Karras to our show. Dr. Karras is the president of Flathead Valley Community College in Kalispell, Montana. Hi, Jane. Glad to have you on the show today. Hi, Dave.
0: Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here.
1: Can you talk a little bit about Flathead Valley Community College and why students select your institution?
0: Well, there are a number of reasons why students choose to come to FBCC. And certainly, you know, we have some amazing faculty who are really outstanding in all of their fields. They could teach anywhere, I think, at any campus campus four-year university, Ivy League, but because of the great Flathead Valley and the wonderful um, lifestyle here, I think we have a lot of faculty that come here to share their knowledge and expertise with students and what they really love is helping people learn. So the great faculty that we have in small class size, so you get to work with outstanding world-class faculty who get to know your names, get to know you as a person, they really are interested in our students and helping them learn. So there's a difference um, in, in that. And then of course we have great student support services as a small community college, small at least by national standards, maybe not by Montana standards, where, you know, we have great student services, whether it's our advising and counseling, our financial aid support, tutoring, um, any type of assistance that a student needs were able to provide that to them. And I know years ago, I was talking to a student who had started college at a university, larger university in the state. And like many students, just was one of 300 students in a intro level class, in his intro level classes. And nobody was really following up with him and he didn't do very well and dropped out and went on to have a family and have a job. He lived in Northwest Montana. But away from Kalispell, and after he was a few years into his pretty basic career, his, somebody that he worked with said, you really need to go get a college degree. And so he commuted probably over 100 miles each way to FECC. And he told me one day, he said, "He said it's like everybody knows my name here. I mean, I walked down the hall, and everybody knows who I am. And I told him, it's all you can run, but you can't hide policy. So we try really hard to stay connected with our students because as you know, the better connected the students are and the more integrated they are in what's happening at the college, the more likely they are to continue their education and complete complete their goal. So that's another reason. And then of course our programs, we have a lot of really great programs, both transfer programs and some of our STEM programs, science, technology, engineering, and math. Students can do research that they wouldn't be able to do at a four-year university, unless they were juniors or seniors. We have faculty, again, who, because of who they are and what they do, are engaged in that research and provide opportunities for undergraduate, younger undergraduates or early undergraduates to do that. Certainly not all of our students are younger. but um, And then we have a lot of great career and technical education programs, just like a lot of the two-year colleges in the state of Montana. I think Montana is very fortunate to have such a great plethora of two-year colleges and community colleges to provide support across the state
1: well you know you also have some very unique programs so uh, you know you're for an example your brewing science and brewery operations degree program is, is sure unique to me i don't know i i think you're the only one who actually gives an associate degree in the state on that is that correct
0: I believe we're the only one with an associate degree in brewing science and we're starting a new certificate in brewery science and operations for those students who don't want to get as into the science. You know, brewing is really about science. There's a lot of biochemistry and chemistry and organic chemistry biology in learning how to really brew good beer at the um, level for a production level, not just home brewing. Certainly in home brewing, it's important too. But, you know, the sugar content of your malt and your barley, it, it does make a difference in the type of beer you produce. So there's a lot of science in a brewing degree, but we are also going to this fall offer a new um, brewing science and brewing operations certificate to help those who want to be technicians in the brewing
1: industry. And
0: so it w- it will be a one-year certificate, and I think we've seen a lot of interest in that as well.
1: Yeah, you know, when I, when I go to your web, uh, and I look at your, your, th- this degree program, this Brewing Science and Brewery Operations AS degree program. I like what it says. It says, part scientist, part artist, a good brewer strives for nothing less than excellence. Learn how to brew beer at the Brewing Academy of Montana. I almost signed up for that after I read that. I got, <laughs> I got pretty excited. So, so my question about that degree is, where did that idea come from? And did you have any problem uh, launching that program? Well, like
0: a lot of our career and technical and trades programs, the idea came from our local business and industry. We had uh, several brewers and a hops uh, grower who came to see us and several years ago and said there was a real need for people trained in the brewing industry, that the brewers across the state could not find trained individuals. They were trying to bring people in from outside the state if they could even find them, but nobody could find a trained workforce. So We worked with them um, and brought in an advisory committee of all the the brewers in Northwest Montana and some all the way down as far south for us as Missoula to talk to us about what they needed in employees in that industry. And that's, I think, what all two-year colleges do. We all work closely with our employers in our region and our local area and our state to identify what their needs are so that we can put together a program that meets their needs. So we did that. And um, of course... The brewing science program is a little more complicated than most programs we put together because with alcohol involved, there were a number of federal and state laws that we had to address as well. So we did have an interesting legislative session a few years ago, trying to get ourselves um, licensed and the ability to not just produce the beer, but to sell it in a way that it could help support the program.
1: Oh, very exciting. How about your uh, firearm technologies degree program? I, I believe that's also a one-of-a-kind uh, program in the university system. Can you talk a little bit about that program?
0: Yes, and that's another one. Again, a lot of local employers, the Flathead Valley, um, I'm trying to think of a few years ago, we've had a, a number of firearms manufacturers move into and set up their businesses and production areas here in the Flathead Valley and in Northwest Montana. And so they did come also to us and said they needed technicians, uh, people trained in the firearms industry to help uh, produce the different aspects of a firearm, the different components of a firearm. And so we work closely with them to put that program together as well.
1: Yeah, like so, those are to me those are two very unique programs. Most community colleges, I don't think. Yeah, beer and guns. That's
0: that's (laughs) FECC. (laughs) <laughs> but so, we try not to have students in both of those at the same time. It's, it's safer.
1: That's pretty good. So you mentioned uh, uh, something new for fall. What else is going to be uh, new at your college for the 2021-2022 20, year?
0: So one thing we're going to have, we have a new certificate in biotechnology that will start in the fall of 21. And it's a one-year program offering students the opportunity to learn in and an, to To earn an industry recognized credential, they can complete the biosciences assistant credentialing exam, which would prepare them to be a biotech um, in any of the burgeoning biotech industries here in the state of Montana. Uh, We also have the program designed so it articulates with the biotech four-year degree at MSU. So students that do want to transfer and go on can easily do that as well. So it provides students with two different pathways. Oh, good. Exciting. So, so that's another new thing. We're also um, working on developing a new teaching and learning center that will provide faculty with new chances to c- collaborate, share ideas, and develop and use new technologies that will promote excellence in the classroom. And it will also provide students with a one-stop place to learn about um, how to support, how the college will support them and what we can do to provide and promote student success. So. Lots of options and opportunities there. And we are also launching a pilot learning community program for undecided students. We know a lot of students that start at a community college, especially students right out of high school, are undecided in in what they want to do. So this program will take undecided students. They'll have a cohort and take classes together, work with mentors, explore career possibilities, and focus on completing general ed requirements to help ease that transition to a four-year college. university or or into whatever their workforce program is.
1: Um, Is there anything new facilities-wise? And yes, we have a new library
0: and learning center that opened about a year and a half ago, but it's one of probably, I'd say, one of the more popular buildings on campus. We've discovered it has um, a coffee bar in it, which is great, and our culinary students have also done some baking, so you can get some great baked goods there as well, Um, but it's a great library. It's a really wonderful space for students to sit and study. They can meet, they can collaborate. We have a area where people can sit and work together. We have some smaller rooms for students to work in small groups and plug their computers in. You can have four laptops and then a bigger screen where you can all share your information. We have a a quiet study room for those students, like some of us who don't like to have a lot of chatter around us while they're studying. We also have a podcast room, which actually I probably should have been in there for this. Didn't think about that. <laughs> we have a podcast and um, and a, a video telecom video room where students can video themselves or faculty can use a smart board. And we have a, a um, virtual learning as well where you can do the 3D um, technology and and really, it's like being in a whole nother world when you're, you're doing that. And then we have a, a maker space as well where students and we have some classes in there and students can also go in and use that to make projects, 3D printers, laser cutters, a number of different um, types of equipment to do some pretty exciting things.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I've driven by your campus a couple of times and I've always asked you, I want to come in and get a tour. And then, of course, then COVID hits and I haven't had yeah. a chance to get up there. Well, anytime. It, do you do you have uh, anything that uh, the community uh, uses uh, at your facility? Well, the
0: community uses a lot of our facility. I mean, right now with COVID, we've limited that ability for people right. to be, because, and also because of the limit on space um, needs. But we do normally, the community uses our, we have a a large space. Well, it used to be, we thought it was a large space in our arts and technology building It will seat maybe 250 classroom style. And so we've had the state has used it for trainings. Our uh, community organizations have used it for different meetings or different types of events that they're having. Um, We do allow the community to rent our space and we have different rates for different types of groups, whether they're nonprofit or corporate. We are are also in the process of building a new college center, which will have a multi-purpose gym an activity room, it will have a 1,000-seat performance and lecture hall, it will have some classrooms, it will have a small fitness space, so we're very excited, an art gallery and an outdoor amphitheater, so that building's projected to be completed about a year, a little over a year from now, so we're very excited about that building coming on, and that will certainly add to our community, I think the ability to bring in, per I mean, in addition to supporting our students, which is great because we haven't had a gym facility, and we haven't had a large lecture or performance hall, but by bringing in um, this facility, we'll also be able to continue to add to what we already do for economic development and workforce development here in the area. I think the performance hall certainly will be able now with 1,000 seats, which nobody in the Valley has, is we'll be able to bring in performers that would normally perform maybe in Missoula or Spokane or Bozeman or Calgary. And the Flathead Valley has always been missed. People have to drive several hours to get there and several hours back late at night or spend a night, spend the money. We'll be able to draw people here, whether it's Lyle Lovett or Yo-Yo Ma or Lou Harris, whoever those performers might be. We'll be able to have them here. We'll be able to bring in people from other areas that will stay in our hotels, eat in our restaurants, um, and bring, hopefully bring back their families when they see what a great place the Flathead Valley is to spend some more
1: time here. Yeah, I, I read about that uh, in the newspaper. So I thought that was a pretty exciting uh, new thing for, for, for your area, to say the least. That's, that's another reason to come up to Kalispell for me.
0: Yeah, well, there'll be some great concerts. Just give me a year and then you'll see what's <laughs> happening. There'll be a lot.
1: So here's a question I hope you can answer. Um, and the question is, how do you do it? And, and, and what I mean by that is some people believe that college administrators have a shelf life. And after a certain amount of years, you need to bring in new blood to keep up passion and engagement, let alone new ideas that will continue to move the college forward. When I think about you, it's like, man, are they wrong when it comes to you? <laughs> I've, I've watched you, I've worked with you. You are still one of the most engaged, passionate forward-thinking administrators I've had the pleasure to work with. So, so my question is, how do you do it? How do you stay so relevant after 20 years as a president at the same institution?
0: Well, I think, you know, this is my 20th year as president here and 22nd year at the college. So you're right, that's, especially these days, a long time for somebody to be in one place. Um, And I was told when I started as president by somebody that, you know, don't stay more than five years or you'll never be able to do anything. Um, And maybe that's true for some people. This is a great community, and I think one of the advantages to being a president for longer than five years or six years in one place is that you get to build those relationships and strengthen those relationships. Um, and those relationships are what are critical to being successful. You know, our our library and college center, we launched a campaign and we raised $18 million in 18 months. Now, I know I would never have been able to do that without the relationships that we've taken time to build. And that I have developed over the years with the number of people that was um, very helpful, certainly. I think, um, you know, I'm sure there's probably a few people here who wish they hadn't stayed for 20 years. I don't know. How, you know, if, I once worked for somebody years ago who said, if everybody's happy, you're not doing your job. And if nobody's happy, you're not doing your job. So I figure I'm probably somewhere in the middle there. Um, but I do know that for me um, to keep keep energized. I mean, this is as I said, a great community, lots of opportunities, lots of great partnerships, whether it's our K twelve schools with our business and industry, with our chambers, with the Montana University system. There are always new things that we can be doing. And I think for a you know being willing to take a risk and try some new things. Now granted it doesn't always work out. I just try when they jump off a cliff, not to make sure it's a cliff I'm gonna be able to get up and walk away from with my wounded bones and whatever it might be and patch everything back together. But, um, for sure, I know, you know, trying new things, being open to taking risks, but looking at what the needs of the community are. And as your community grows, things continue to change. And so it's always something new and exciting.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, your bio says that you were the, what is it? Uh, summer of 2001 when they, when you were hired to be the president. And before that you were actually the uh, vice president and Dean of instruction and student services for two years. So mm-hmm. you, you've been in Kalispell a, a pretty darn long time.
0: Yeah. It's funny how that happened. I have been in Kalispell for a while
1: <laughs> and it's a great place. So how has your college changed over all these years? Um, I would say
0: You know, we've changed in certainly in growth. I mean, when I got here, we had four buildings Um, Then we added three more and then we added another one or two and another one. And then we've expanded Um, the college property was about 40 acres when I started. And now we have 212 acres. So in just in terms of facility and land growth, that's changed a lot. Our student population has continued to grow. Granted, we're down a bit because of the pandemic, I think, and the impact of the economy. But I expect that to rebound. And then, you know, just the different programs, as we were talking about earlier, as as the community changes, new needs arise and being quickly responsive to those is really important.
1: Um, So, you know, we just talked about really a couple of your programs. So what... Uh, what are some of, the, I, I don't want to call them unique, but what's some of your more popular programs there at Flathead Valley Community College?
0: Um, well, I'd say, you know, programs are all pretty popular. Are certainly healthcare and nursing are, are high enrollment programs. There's a real opportunity for students who want to go into healthcare. And we have a number of different healthcare programs, as well as nursing at a number of different levels So that's been really popular. Our welding, heavy equipment, um, commercial driver's license programs are also growing. Our art program, I'd say we probably have one of the best art programs in the state. We have some great faculty and great opportunities um, until last year, and hopefully in the next few years, we'll be able to get this uh, refocused as we've had study abroad opportunities for students. So students can participate in our study abroad program and spend a semester in Venice, Italy that we run learning wow. Italian, studying art and architecture and studying um, music or theater. It's a really great someday I'm going to take that program for the whole semester. <laughs> and we set them up living in different apartments around the city of Venice, which is really great. And Venice is a great place because there are no automobiles. You either get around on foot or by vaporetto. So um, which are the boats that go on the canals? The public transportation, like a public water bus. So it's a pretty exciting city. And rather than looking at art in a um, art book or a slide, you're actually standing in a you know a church looking at a, 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 a original artwork from hundreds of years ago. So it's really pretty exciting for students. Um, we've done our chemistry program has gone to the to Maria in the South Pacific and they go to an island where the University of California Berkeley has a lab and they study the impact of um, the changing pH acidity or base of the water, of the ocean water on the coral reefs and what that does and how that changes everything in all of our environments. And so it's been pretty exciting. One of our students who was a physics and um, chemistry student um, designed a, you know, I'll never say this right, a, a phometer, which really measures the pH of the water. And he built it here on our 3D printer and took it with him. And his phometer was more accurate than the very expensive ones that UC Berkeley had. And so then he was able to come back and um, actually use that. He went on to get a four year degree, I think, from MSU, and now he's working at Woods Hole. Oceanography Institute on the East Coast and has developed some more pretty exciting um, materials.
1: Oh my goodness. I, d- I did not know that, that uh, a couple of those programs existed there until you mentioned mm-hmm. that. That is, oh my goodness, that's some exciting stuff.
0: Yeah, but of course, with COVID, we, yeah, right. um, in fact, our students were, were ready to leave for Italy last <laughs> February, and I don't think anybody was very happy when I decided that they shouldn't go. And then I was really glad I did because about a week after that or two weeks after that, least shut down. So we would have, would not have been a good thing. So, but those are the risks, you know, those are some of the risks you take when you try different things and how do you assess all those?
1: Sure. Sure. Well, one day that's, hopefully will be behind us. So we'll be back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me change subjects here real fast. So, you, As I said, you've been the president there for 20 years. I'm part of that. You were there for another couple of years as a vice president. So my question is, what has been some of the biggest lessons learned over all these years? And it, this is a twofer. This is a two-parter. And what advice can you give new community college presidents from what you've learned over all these years?
0: Uh, well, that's a really good question. So I think some of the lessons learned are you know, listen as much as you can, whether it's to your um, teams on your campus and all of your different areas, or whether it's to your community or to your students. And, you know, I have a lot of different types of meetings. I have president's forums. And what I always tell people is I want to hear what your issues are or your challenges are. I can't promise I can fix everything or address everything everybody wants or even do what you all want. But, I need to know what the challenges are, what your concerns are, and if I can fix them or I will. And if I can, I will tell you why or why there's an issue. Um, I do think that um, in terms of, you know, listening, like I, and, and appreciating your, your teams, you know, I always tell everybody and usually at our services and I mean, I would not want to work here or without our amazing custodial staff. You know, people don't always realize that you might not see them all the time because a lot of them work at different hours shifts than most people. But boy, if somebody weren't here doing what they do, I would not wanna be at this campus and our grounds and facilities maintenance people do a great job, but I have a dinner usually every spring for our custodians and sit down with them and just say, thank you, you do a great job. And I wanna know from you what something you know? What can we do to make your job better? What isn't working? What do you need that you don't have? And it's been a really great, um, great opportunity for me to learn from them about what what they do and how they do it and what what their concerns are. You know, we talked about when we instituted the no tobacco on campus policy. You know, they brought up things that we never would have thought of that they were going to have to deal with and what, how we were going to address that. So it was. It's always really helpful to make sure you get all of the different stakeholders involved when you're considering different things um, and and listening, really listening to them. And then I would also say, don't be above doing any job either. I mean, I know I will walk around and pick up garbage. I will. One time we had a holiday, one of our holiday dinners and we ran out of tables because people came that hadn't RSVP'd and I had a key to the, storage closets. So I went out there and I one of those giant, you know, 12 foot tables and I'm trying to roll it through all these people. And custodians were like, no. And I was like, no, it's your party. I can do this. I think it's a lot harder than it looks, but you know, you step up and do what you have to do to help everybody and to be, and I would just say, never be afraid to laugh at yourself either. And never take yourself too seriously. I'm kind of going into your advice for other, you know, new
1: presidents. All right. Right. Just recently I learned that you grew up in New York state and you moved to Montana to work on ranches. You worked with cows, you'd led dude ranch trips into the wilderness, you shooed horses and everything else associated with working on a ranch. I have to say that's the best backstory I've heard on any of my guests. That type of work has to build character. Do you think that part of your life, those life skills that you learned Somehow helped you become a community college president.
0: Um, I would say that you know I have not had a traditional trajectory to become a community college president. It was never, you know, as when I was growing up, it wasn't you know I want to be a college president or I want to be an administrator in higher education. I actually wanted to be a large animal veterinarian through half of my college career. So. Um, Although education was always very important to me, and I was always involved in education and tutoring programs and different things. But um, I do think I've been really fortunate that I have had so many different types of jobs. I kind of call myself a Jane of all trades. I've, uh, you know, I've been a paralegal right after college. I've been on the unemployment line, so I know what that's like. Um, Just a year after college, because the case I was working on settled in New York City, I worked on a ranch. One of the first jobs I had was to, here's a 22, here are two boxes of shells, pick up truck with a pile of dirt and a shovel, go out, shoot the gophers and fill the gopher holes in the hayfield. So, um, and then working with guests on a guest ranch and working the horses, um, working with cows. I, you know, I've had cows myself and pulling calves at one in the morning and then being in Helena by 10 that same morning coming from, Kalispell is, is always, um, you know, it does build character, but I think it also helps me. It's helped me have a better perspective for all the different people that we serve and work with Oh sure. that um, everybody has. And I think that's something sometimes, you know, especially in this day and age, people forget that we're all a lot more alike than we are different. And we all have different places we're coming from, but I think everybody's basic, Values are the same, but really appreciating people for who they are as individuals, and that everybody has different challenges or issues that they're facing that may not be apparent.
1: So here's my last question, Jane. For you is how do you see higher ed evolving over the next five to ten years?
2: Well, I think you know it might be different than a lot of people. I don't ever see higher ed going fully remote or distance delivery. I think for so many students, that face to face component, um, and for faculty as well, the ability to work um, together with people. And I think it's important for students to learn how to work with other people as well as they're moving into the workforce. Because, you know, we've all learned a lot over this last nine or 10 months, almost 11 months now, I guess, but we haven't, you know, I think people understand also that being working alone or in isolation only is good for a certain amount of time and for certain types of things that people do need to work together on a number of things. So for higher education, I I think hybrid classes will continue to grow. I see certainly technology being a component of higher education and maybe becoming a, a larger component, more opportunities for people to have different options for learning I mean, I think certainly distance delivery has been strengthened by what we've learned over the last, last um, since last March. But I also think that we will continue to see students on campuses, um, students face-to-face. And that, you know, two-year education especially, um, we have a lot of programs where students need, have hands-on classes and labs and certainly Although we've all learned how to do those in different ways now that the best way to do some of those is, is in a lab, whether it's welding or a nursing practicum, whatever it might be. Certainly those students, it is helpful. Our farming program, uh, sustainable farming, the brewing science, um, those definitely you need to have students uh, on site or in the classroom, in the lab. I think for two-year education, there will, we all respond quickly and nimbly to the needs of our employers and business and industry and our areas in our state and the country. But I do know that there seems to be more of a shift towards less on um, degree programs, uh, two-year degree programs and employers want people with skills. They're not as worried about some of those degrees. So finding a way to balance those general education courses which I think are still critical for students to really be good critical thinkers and problem solvers and to be good communicators is important, but also looking at how do you provide that quick training for individuals who are working or wanna go right into the workforce and only need to upgrade their skills or need to acquire some new knowledge rather than spending two years in a degree program. So I, I, I do think that will change over the next five to 10 years we will see some of that.
1: Well, good. Well, Jane, thanks so much for talking with me today. I really enjoyed our conversation.
2: Thank you, Dave. I always enjoy visiting with you, and thank you for inviting me to be a guest on your podcast. Great great to talk about higher education and all the wonderful things that are happening. I've been very fortunate, even though I've been at FECC for 22 years, I worked in Helena for the Board of Regents for nine, and I've been able to see a lot of Changes in the state of Montana and higher education, all of them, I think, great, great opportunities for Montanans. And certainly one of the best things are all the people I've gotten to work with and to know and our students and the people in this community. So it is about the relationships and the people. And I've been very fortunate to be in a wonderful place for for a long time.
1: Well, that ends today's show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for listening
0: to today's episode and make sure to visit our website at academicdean.com for additional information. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.